Welcome back to Bon Voyage, everybody. I'm Rob. I'm Adam. And with us for the third time is our returning champ, Heather. Say hello. Hello. I was going to say our female guest, Heather. God, that sucks. We've only had the one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a token. Yeah, I guess so. We Diversity do. higher. Yeah. yeah. Another friend of ours is coming up in a couple of weeks. That'll help balance it out a yeah. little bit. This I was think. something actually that we were talking about over the weekend that, um, like, your other guests have totally valid reasons for being here. Like Adam, your dad, having owned a video store and, you know, Ryan being kind of a film fanatic and everybody seems like they have a purpose here. And my purpose is that I am a female voice. <laughs> uh, you, have, you, yeah, you're, you have good things to say. You have a critical eye for things. And right? in this case, this is your favorite of the ones that we've seen so far. We are watching on Her Majesty's Secret Service today, so... I know how much you loved it when we watched it, so I wanted you back for this one. Yes, yeah, I'm excited to be here for this one specifically. And not to say that I begrudge being part of any of them. I think it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm sure you begrudge it a little bit. <laughs> I, For this one in particular, I really want to say very little because I have too much to say and I don't want to lead you down mm. any road at all, even more than usual, Adam. Uh, but having a woman on this one for probably... She's not my, she's my number two Bond girl, but I would say she's argue, arguably the best Bond girl. So having a female to talk about that, because like in our last episode, we got into the Bond women a lot. And then you get into it, you're talking for like five or 10 minutes and you look around and realize it's just dudes talking about it. Yeah. It's really nice to have. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Just last week, it was you and I, Rob and Michael, and then Heather was on the couch. Yeah. Uh, just overhearing us <laughs> have opinions Shopping. on Shaking your head. women. <laughs> yeah. Well, with Honor Majesty's Secret Service, uh, I, I guess we'll start with you, Heather. What do you, without giving away too much for Adam, are you just excited to rewatch? You remember liking it, but what do you remember about it? I remember it being very romantic, which is not my genre of film. Like, that's not what I really mm. love. But I remember caring so much about the characters, and I think that that was driven through, from what I remember, I could be totally wrong, but this is my impression, is that... I became more connected to these characters than other Bond films because of the story that was unfolding, which in this case was a romance. Whereas in the other Bond films, I had felt like, you know, it's a mission. The mission is what's driving things. But in this one, it was this relationship was driving things. I liked that. What do you remember about Lazenby? I don't. Like, I, re I remember enjoying him, okay. but I don't remember why. Adam, this is your first, well, it's the only George Lazenby, but this will be the last of the Bonds. You've seen at least one from everybody else. You excited to see the last guy, the youngest man to play Bond? Yeah, I think the only thing I remember, this was the guy who left to left doing it partially because it didn't go over well and partially because Westerns were the big thing, apparently, his stoner friend said. Bas well, what was his name? Maybe I'll look it up later. He had... He wasn't just a stoner friend. He was like, I forget, like a Ginsburg, like a, a writer at the okay. time who thought like the square jaw, per, uh, clean shaven spy archetype is over. Things, you know, it's the hippie movement. It's the mm -hmm. summer of love. We're, we're going to get past that. There's a new world. So he like did the press tour, fully bearded, long hair, pissed yeah. off the producers. And uh, yeah, he didn't, he didn't dig the straight lace kind of conservative type bond and he thought mm -hmm. it wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> uh, 
I'm excited to see that. It sucks because his pre-Bond story, how he got the job is amazing. He was just a model and he completely lied about his resume. He said he did some films in Germany. It's kind of like Johnny Cash's story, how he like literally put his foot in the door and demanded an interview from whatever the guy's name is at Sun Records. This guy did that. Like he, he lied and cheated his way into uh, getting an audition and he got through the first phase and then he finally met with uh, one of the producers and he said we, we really like you we think we're gonna go with you and he like broke down and panicked he's like okay I've, I lied I've never acted before <laughs> and he's like well you fooled two agents our secretary a director and someone else kid you can act yeah, yeah. <laughs> you acted your way here yeah exactly so they gave him a shot so he, he had to be a spy yeah exactly. to get the spy it, it's very there's a whole documentary I forget what it's called. It might just be Becoming Bond or something like that. That's about that whole story. It's on Crave. Hmm. I haven't watched it, but <laughs> I've heard the story a few times. There's been a few special podcasts about it. It's pretty cool. The uh, the other thing I'm excited about for this one is that you've, from what you've said, it's the gonna it's like the closest Bond to like an Archie film, right? Archie film. Art. That's what I Archie heard. Film. <laughs> Ar- RT, Archie film. Yeah, it's. Artsy, maybe. Is pretty artsy, pretty. Uh, there's a few. I, people will laugh when I say this, but Quantum's a bit like it. Like, the director has some weird choices, a lot of liberty there. But this one in particular, yeah, like, the cinematography is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, well, you'll see. Again, I don't want to say much, but and I shouldn't talk more about Lazenby. I don't want to get my opinion of him already. But, uh, yeah, it's quite artsy and everybody else aside from just bond is at the top of their game i'll say that all right without giving away too much (laughs) uh context what year is this 69 i think this is coming off the one we watched two weeks ago so in real life uh in the real life chronology this is after you only live twice Mm -hmm. in our chronology this is just after uh Blofeld escaped again because when he used when Bond used him as a battering ram to bring down the as a wrecking ball as a sorry that's what I meant as a wrecking ball he just dropped him into the sea and he yeah. used that little submarine to escape I think we'll say that anyway <laughs> and now he's back again at least that's the theory Bond is still on the hunt for well right now he's on vacation in France that I think he's in France where this opens uh, southern France I believe that's where this opens, and uh, we don't really know what he's doing there. It just looks like he's at a casino hanging out. Uh, but yeah, Blofeld's still out there, and Bond has been obsessed with it. M's getting pissed off at him. Big surprise, because he won't let this go, and he's considering putting another agent on it. And that's where I'll leave you. That sounds good. Maybe we should just go watch this. I think so. Let's do it. Anything more, Heather? No, I'm excited. I just want to watch it. Me too. Let's go do it. All right, we'll be back.
Okay, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone take a moment, collect yourself, uh, wipe your tears. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had a lot of other first thoughts until the last 45 seconds. And uh, it hits harder, I think, every time. That was the saddest I was. I don't, I don't know why exactly. Mm. First thoughts, Heather? It's so good. It's like the script is so thoughtfully written and the characters are really fleshed out. I think this one, like I said in the intro, I think you connect with the characters so much. I think if this was the first Bond film you ever watched, um, it wouldn't, it would still be a great movie, but the meaningfulness of all of the interaction between the characters would be lost on the viewer. But where it's a movie, you know, you guys have watched many Bond flicks before this. Yeah. All of those little interactions mean so much. Right. Yeah, especially, uh, skipping right to the end, Money Penny at the wedding. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that moved you. Yeah. You've always liked Money Penny through all this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And she was, well, not to, sorry, we're at first thoughts right now, but she was even good in her scene at it. Like, she had her best moment so far, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, not yeah. giving the, uh, not listening to Bond to resign or whatever. Knowing what he really wanted and knowing what M really wanted and being like a couples counselor between M and Bond. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. both offer her a moment of gratitude, like, you know, we, Bond says, I don't know what I would do without you. And so does M. And uh, don't tell him, but I really love him. Don't tell 007 how I really feel about him. But, mm -hmm. you know, I can't live without him. <laughs> right. Yeah. <sighs> but anyway, yeah, it's... It was hard to hold this one so long, but it's mm -hmm. kind of necessary. It can't be quick after Vesper. And I don't even... I can't keep my thoughts together right now. I'm too moved. It's my, my first thought. It's just... It's weird. Like, you know, you guys know me at this point, how much I love this whole series, but it is crazy how much better, like, three of them are than all of the rest. Mm -hmm. Like, this mm -hmm. one is just such a better movie than Diamonds Are Forever or You Only Live Twice. Yeah. The, the other two that we just watched. Mm -hmm. Like, I would a whole say, other league. I would say this one, for me, does not feel like a Bond movie. Um, and it feels like a finale. Mm. To me, it seems yeah. like they intended for this to be the last movie that would ever oh, happen, yeah, which obviously isn't the case, but just the, f it's, it's as if they're saying goodbye to all these people. Just, it feels like that, but then she dies. So mm -hmm. he's sticking around. Yeah. It I, almost teases what it would be like if it ends, right. but then doesn't. Yeah. When the wedding was happening. Uh, I was like, there's, there's no way this is going like, un <laughs> that's the thing. It's weird. You're like, well, Rob wouldn't have picked this one at 15 if we've got nine to go. Well, also like, there's just no way that he's going to get made. Like Bond's just going to get married and right. be married. Like I've, I've seen what 14 other Bond movies by now. Like, I know that's not, it's not what happened. It could have been that in between the movies, something happened. Like you never know. And, but they wouldn't end one. On him being happily married, going off on honeymoon. Yeah. That would be weird. It's such a... It's. I mean, we're past first thoughts here, whatever. Uh, it's, how can you not start with the end? This is what we just saw. But the only thing you can compare it to is Casino Royale when Vesper dies in his yeah. arms. But then you have still five minutes where he tracks down Mr. White 
and he does the my name's Bond, James Bond for the first time. Cue the 007 music, and like there's a little bit of a lift after it. This one ends. The last shot is the bullet hole through the windshield. Like that's some friggin' balls to do that in a movie like to end on such a down note it's such a good thing we did this after diamonds are forever i can't imagine doing that one after this like that's what i was just saying i have yeah. to rethink our next movie now because i was gonna go with as i was saying um for your eyes only which you'll see why when we watch it. but even that one doesn't really fit like i think we're gonna have to go license to kill which is like the most violent one Mm. and another rope because it just doesn't make sense character wise to go to diamonds are forever or you know yeah. any roger moore one it just doesn't fit after what he just went through in this mm. one i mean this is going to be a good week for uh, like a bonus episode or something to yeah, take a, I gotta breathe a on moment that one. of silence yeah I don't know why. yeah i think watching one a week and well as you said the money penny stuff is why it hit so hard seeing bond go through everything he's gone through and to finally like you know what to hell with it i quit i'm gonna marry this girl and then that mm -hmm. happens right away like i loved one woman once and quit for her and she died all right after all this i'm ready to try it again and yeah. this happened yeah moment of silence for tracy <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm not good at moments of silence <laughs> Should I do the summary? Oh, yes. great idea. Yeah, Heather. that'll get Thank us out you. of this hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we come back to Bond, and he has several chance encounters with a woman who we come to be, who we come to learn her name is Contessa Teresa, but we call her Tracy. There are some people following her around. They seem to try to assassinate Bond, but really they're like her bodyguards. Her father invites Bond to basically court her because she is suicidal. Bond agrees to do it because this man, her father, which is Draco, Draco... Malfoy. Malfoy. Uh, <laughs> has a the largest European crime syndicate, not to be confused with the largest crime syndicate in the world, which is Spectre. And he has connections to blow he he knows people who know blowfeld so they'll be able to find blowfeld which is bond's ultimate goal in this movie is to find and capture blowfeld so he can put an end to all of his madness so he agrees to court uh tracy so that he can get this information uh draco gives him the information of a lawyer who has been in touch with blowfeld under the pseudonym beauchamp who is Anyway, so what Blofeld is currently doing during all of this, he is hoping to obtain amnesty from his past crime and retire with the acknowledgement of his count status. That way he can retire as a count. In order to do this, he's going to threaten the UN that he has weaponized all these women that he's hypnotized from many countries around the globe with a biological warfare agent, basically, and that he's going to release them into the world and they're going to spread mass disease. The only way to stop it is to grant him amnesty from his past criminal activities and to acknowledge him as a count. Mm -hmm. So Bond is undercover trying to lure Blofeld out of the mountain where he's hypnotizing these women in order to stop him. That is the summary. Yeah, Bond... 
eventually finds out what's going on and they stop him. Right. That's per usual. Yeah. That, that's basically the summary. Yeah. And oh. then he marries Tracy and she dies. Right. Marries Tracy. Yes. And bon- yeah, Blofeld at the end, he survived being hung by the tree there. And uh, he and Irma Bunt try to do a drive-by and kill Bond and kill Tracy instead. Mm-hmm. While he's taking the flowers off their car. Oh, the mm-hmm. summary didn't work to get us out of it. <laughs> <sighs> All right. <laughs> um, should we try to get out of our funk and talk about something else or talk about Tracy? Because, damn. Let's do our old format. And... Let's, let's talk about Tracy and then Bond. We're still on the Tracy thing. Let's talk about all the good things. <laughs> I love Tracy's lines. She is so well written. I mean, as a character, she is so well thought out. She's dep- she's a depressed, troubled person. And I think that makes her really significant. Like, she is a fleshed out person because she has all these complicated thoughts that she's going through. Like, by many miles more depth than most uh, there's only yeah. one other one that has that depth and it's vesper mm-hmm. who's always been my favorite but on this watch i gotta think tracy's better like the depth is crazy you yeah. don't really know what's going on at, at the first when you first see her like she's doing the old-fashioned greek suicide by walking out into the sea yeah it's crazy yeah i've got nothing bad to say about tracy I she's to. fantastic yeah yeah yeah, I really like the dynamic between her and Bond, that um, their partnership is, it really is a partnership. She mm. saves him, he saves her. There seems to be a lot of mutual respect and trust between them. He's mm. certainly not, like, you're worried when her her dad's like, dominate her. Yeah. But there's no dominating happening at all. Well, like, like you just said, Heather, I had the note written that she rescues femme fatale Bond. Yeah. Totally. Who's like yeah. the only time we see him afraid is in the yeah. sea. He has like nothing, nowhere to go. Nothing. Yeah, he's to hiding do. and like yeah. basically, yeah, he's like using his collar as a shield. Yeah. And he's yeah. given up. He's hiding in the middle of that rink, and she saves him. Like, stay close to me, James. Yeah. 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 And she does all the driving. Totally. Yeah. yeah. While he's like stretch. kissing her and like yeah, like oh thanks, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Bond is reduced to again the femme fatale. It's really nice. But even but not, he does it so well. I mean, we won't get into him yet, but like he's not brought down by it, I don't think. Yeah, like, I shouldn't I, have said that he's like reduced to it, but he plays the role as But I like how he doesn't lose any of his uh authority as Bond in doing it. Like it still fits his character for how I see James Bond anyway, that he's totally like it's not beneath him to allow an this no. amazing woman to save him. Like he's still being super confident and funny and Mm-hmm. competent in his own way yeah he definitely like i said i feel like there really is an like a equality among their partnership like when they're falling down the mountain um during the avalanche and he says hold on to me tracy it's not to me that didn't come across as like hold on to me i'll protect you it's just a practical hold on yeah, to me yeah. that's what like we'll at least you know try to stay together like when she says stay close to me when she's bringing them out it's like a mirrored thing yeah yeah that's a good point i like when they're 
figuring each other when she's being very resistant to him or not in the pre-title sequence but in the casino and then when she's like i'll sleep with you to pay pay my debt Mm -hmm. and he keeps insisting that's not it and i'm worried about you clearly there's something wrong and she's still fighting it but like giving him side glances like the actress is really killing it too it's like she really gets the character totally yeah i wrote down two of her lines that i really liked in particular at the beginning which I thought just kind of framed her as um, a different kind of woman in this world that we're used to. Why do you persist in saving me, being one of them, which mm. I liked, uh, after he's paid her debt. And when, when was that one? Uh, it, it's when she comes up, t- when he comes into her room. Right. Why do you persist in, or maybe it's at the, at the table right after he pays her debt at the because he saves her right uh, before she gives him the key yes oh yeah yeah at the casino. Right. Well, oh at of the course casino. so she's because he saved her he saved from her. the debt or whatever exactly yeah, yeah. um and then the other one is i'm not interested in your opinion of me mr bond Mwah. that oh, was like yeah, yeah. i loved it <laughs> yeah i remember you, you like rea- i remember when you reacted to it but yeah, i yeah. can't remember the context what did he say was that when he she, she was, was in his... his apartment on the porch bed Mm-hmm. And he was just, yeah, trying to make moves on her. I'm not interested in your opinion of me, Mr. Bond. Yeah, he, he you know, used some line. I forget what the what exactly the, the gist of it was, but he's, you know, essentially saying, oh, this is what I think of you. And she said, I'm not interested in your opinion of me. Yeah. I'm, there's no way we won't come back to her and their relationship throughout this conversation. But yeah, just her recklessness and she's suicidal Mm -hmm. but then she's totally badass and beautiful and funny and loving and then man her the climax talking about again setting bond aside a little bit when they take his gloria she's like the front and center the big fight is her and the hench person Mm -hmm. not bond i was gonna say like just last week we were talking about how the trope it kind of started with diamonds are forever of the woman at the end fucking it up right because she fell off the boat and diamonds are forever and we were talking about good night and man of the golden gun stuff she does the total opposite here and does the henchman fight herself yeah and totally doesn't need to be saved the setup is the same she's captured because the avalanche got her and the dudes took her like that's not really her fault but then she manages to sort of seduce blofeld distracts him while the helicopters are on their way mm-hmm. and then yeah has like the best hand-to-hand co- i mean there's a lot of good hand-to-hand combat in this movie but it's one of the better ones mm. those that friggin' spiked artwork that's been teasing us all movie finally <laughs> got used yeah and then yeah we i mean we get one really awesome shot of bond in that scene when he's like sliding down the ice with the machine gun i love that oh and really i love that <laughs> shot i've always loved that shot all right but that's about it. Like, she's definitely the hero of the climax. And then she gets knocked out by her dad and thrown in a helicopter. But Spare the rod, spoil the child. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, well. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, that's but, not great. At least, you know, the film kind of makes up for a multitude of sins. There are other aspects of women that are portrayed in this that are not great, but Tracy really makes up for a lot mm. of it. Yeah, it's it's like all all the same stuff that's always in these any yeah. old movie, but in particularly in these Bond movies, a lot of the same tropes, but then there's her. Mm. Yeah. yeah, she really is unlike any other one. Like all of our other really good Bond girls or adequate Bond girls, it's usually a lack of them being like she was at the end of Diamonds Are Forever. Mm-hmm. It's usually their lack of fucking up, not 
them also just being above average awesome like Tracy was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's so, above and beyond how awesome she is. It's bizarre. It makes me wonder what's what's the difference in the writers between it's this show and super, the others. Super loyal to the book. This one. It's like one of the most accurate book to film adaptations. Mm. So why? why why is that the case? I gotta go back to him. It's been a while, and I don't really. I mean, I guess to me that's more of a rhetorical question. Like, it, why? Also, why choose to make this one so well written to have such beautiful dialogue I, amongst the people and to give to give this like really I don't know really artistic take to it and then never to return to it. Well, I was telling you, Adam, going into this one, I wanted to do a bit more research than I normally do, and I didn't really end up doing that. I wanted to like look at contemporary articles that like reviews that were written at the time versus how people feel about it now because this one is now regarded as top bond like this is one of the favorites mm. particularly like critically uh and i gotta think that at the time they had to up their game on everything else because it was a new actor coming in they could not rely on sean connery so everything else i think i said this in the intro mm. is firing on all cylinders like it's this is the theory i've had this week uh like the cinematography, the shots of the helicopters even coming in with the sun going down or sun coming up, we realized it was dawn, right? Yeah. Like you don't get shots like that in the other ones, even mm -hmm. through the Roger Moore era. Like they're not just leaning on tropes in this one. Everything is really, really good. Like this is, it only happens in one or two other Bond films that could be like an Oscar movie almost. Like there's depth all around and the score is amazing. Direction's amazing. Cinematography's amazing. The character, as you said, the the fleshed out characters and supporting roles and there's decent themes there's love it's tragedy it's yeah i think all to make up for the fact that sean connery wasn't going to be there so maybe they went back to the source material wanted to do a really really good job with this one maybe i don't know or it's just a fluke who the hell knows like it just worked <laughs> that leads to my like kind of overarching point about lazenby as bond is that my impression was I can do everything he can do and more in terms of like Sean Connery. Like it seemed like he was doing all the Connery stuff, but just somehow bringing more like life and character to it, like with Money Penny and just oh, like man, their yeah, their scene was so fucking good when he came in, <laughs> and like when, I mean it's a little gross because he totally grabbed her ass and yeah, whatever yeah. by today's, but it totally worked. Like he's just and. You can you get more of a feeling with this one than with Connery that it's a game they play. Like mm -hmm. drinks at my place, cocktails at my place at eight. Oh, but all I forget. What, what I couldn't it, trust myself. She exactly. says exactly. Like it's like it happens every day. Whereas mm -hmm. with Connery, it's like he's just leading her on. <laughs> I agree. That's something that's always made me uncomfortable with the money penny exchanges with Connery. Is that it does feel like he's just leading her on. Whereas this didn't feel that way. It felt totally like a game. Maybe the age or something, because she's actually Maybe. a bit older than him in this one. Yeah. yeah. Which messes with the chronology that I've developed here. I know that he takes a big step back age-wise, but whatever. We can ignore that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to the point of Bond, that's an, one of the aspects that he's kind of better than, especially these later Connery ones, where he's just, like, young and really hot. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's the hottest Bond we've seen so far. I'd say. This guy? He's got the biggest butt chin anyone has ever seen. I find young Connery's better looking than this guy. I mean, all of these are totally obje or subjective. Exactly. Folks. Yeah. yeah I like how we're not, uh, when we talk about the women, we're a little bit hesitant and careful because we don't want to come off as disgusting pig dudes. But when we're talking about the men, we're like, that Connery with his shirt off back and whatever, man, yeah. he looked good there. 
<laughs> so funny. How do you feel about uh, the, we'll be superficial here, just the looks of Lazenby, aside uh, from the butt chin? I think his first shot, I think they did not frame him well in the first shot. He looks no. kind of awkward. Like they ran, they kind of hype him up. We're going to reveal his face. And then it's just kind of, but later you mean when he gets out of the car. Yeah. Well, or when his he, first word, when, when, when he says I'm Bond, James Bond. And the, that part is awkward, but the build up to that, like, yeah, it's they just, have a shot of specifically his butt chin. Yeah. As, yeah, one of the as he lights the cigarette. Yeah. I yeah. love that though. But no, I think, I mean, he's handsome. Like, of course he's handsome. And I think his character, like he's sweet and he's gentle yeah. and he's kind and, um, he he's, has more energy. So many good things. He's faster. Yeah. I think it's just he's so young, mm. and it's just a different take on it. That he's very he's, vibrant. Yeah. yeah, like his fights are faster, and even just like walking down a hall, like both oh. Craig and Connery kind of they have a swagger, but mm. this guy is much more intentional. I was gonna say the top of the movie, like the the gun barrel shot. He has his own kind of walk in that gun barrel shot, and his and he kind of takes a knee kind of when he does yeah, the yeah, shot. Yeah. Right from that moment, I was like, this is different like this is a different person <laughs> yeah that's awesome mm. did you notice since you're not such a film dork and i was saying that it's like an archie film as you said <laughs> <laughs> did you notice what i was talking about like with the cinematography and everything yeah and just that i don't know how to phrase it it's just different it's not a generic film they weren't mm. all just technicians doing a job putting out a mm -hmm. product like there was intent artistic intention here like there were close-ups sure. on specific things and yeah. hints and foreshadowing and really great use of combining all of the aspects of film, the sound effects, the music and shots. Mm. Like it was very, very intentional. Yeah, yeah. I could really notice that difference. I mean, we touched on it briefly already, but like the score in general was like so well done yeah. for this one. Man, was, so. was it when he... Uh, when does he take the pictures of... Oh, it's at the end, the climax. It's just the Bond theme. And it's super loud when they get out of the helicopters and it's slowly getting down and then just stops as he hits the button in Blofeld's office and the map pops up. Hmm. I don't know how they did the timing so well. Yeah, it's it's a cute. really long musical piece. So yeah. that, like editing that to get it right at that point, maybe it's easier well, than I... That's like when you do film music, like score films like that, you have like, oh, I need a 16 second cue or something that like ends at this kind of point. Right, like right. that's that's the art of uh, scoring. Yeah. And, stuff. and there was another point when he uh, resigns and he's packing up his desk or whatever, right? Where there's musical cues to go with his like memory objects or whatever. Mm. And there's little musical cues from all the films, That's little right, little yeah. pieces of music from Doctor No through to You Only Live Twice. Yeah, yeah. I wish they did this for all of the Bond movies, man. They would be so good. Mm. Like this level of, like you said, intention. Yeah, care. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's just. You know the drill. Here we are. Yeah. Let's have some fun, which is fun once in a while. As I've said sure. many times, there are Bond movies that are great to just throw on, and they're a hoot. They're a ride or whatever. But yeah, if they were this intentional all the time, I don't know. That'd be very difficult, I guess. Yeah, this one, it's definitely, there's very, very little campiness. There's no, you know, silly some there's a bit there's, there's quips and stuff and sure yes of course. silly shots and things yeah but not nearly as much as in other bond films i've read a lot of if we're talking about bond a little bit i've read a lot of criticism of him for like being unsure and not confident in this and that but 
it kind of works as the, I think we've talked about this with like the Connery ones when he gets sleepy towards the end. Mm-hmm. It works with his character. Like I I didn't find him particularly well, bad. And I feel like people just project that kind of stuff on because they know he's young, right? And they, they know do, it's yeah. his first thing. They only know Connery, so they're gonna be like, "Of course, this guy isn't so sure, right?" Especially that story about he didn't actually know how to act and stuff. Right. And it's the same with like Connery's later ones. They're like, "Oh, he's Checked not." Out. Yeah, exactly, because they're just projecting that based on the information they know. Yeah, I feel like he's totally not. Uh, I forget which the other film that I was on for on this podcast, but in that one, I remember saying that Bond is not knowledgeable and it's so obvious in like the way that everybody's treating him he's just kind of stumbling through his job i didn't feel that way with that goldfinger right yes that's right but where in this one i feel like that's so not the case he seems quite capable he is a good spy in this one this one and another uh reason people give it a lot of credit and like i was just saying a few minutes ago it's loyal to the books like this is fleming's bond like Mm. he's when he uh one of my favorite scenes in it is early when he he kicks so much ass early in the movie, but when he's kidnapped by Draco's guys, the little comedy in the car on the way to the to Draco's place, and then when he takes those three out, bursts through the door and like gets down on his knees with the knife in the air, like ready to throw the knife at him in that close up, that's totally Fleming's bond. Mm. And it would be through his point of view, like well, it would describe the guy behind him and the two guys in front of him and how, oh, these amateurs, they don't know what they're doing. Okay, I'll wait till here. I'm going to punch him. I'm going to do this. And then it'll describe it fully exactly how it unfolded in the movie. It's pretty, mm. yeah. Very loyal to the book. Hmm. I don't know that that scene in particular was in the book. I don't remember that well, but that's mm. what I picture. Yeah. Another uh, example of his competence, there was that... I can't remember exactly when it was in the movie, but he basically shows up to M and is like, this is what's going on. And like, I'm going to go undercover as this genealogist because of yada, yada, yada. Like, right. That's after he goes to burn, breaks into the uh, lawyer's office. That's right. Breaks into the safe and photocopies everything. Like does all that on vacation, comes back to M and is like, look, buddy, like, (laughs) yeah, you're going to have to put me back on operation. Uh, Bellum. Bedlam. Bedlam. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no. And he's like, but yeah, you are. <laughs> but yes, you will. So tell your your uh, story about that, your chuckles about the Oh, yeah. The, uh, the first time I saw that safe cracking scene. So, yeah, he's in the lawyer gumdrop or whatever his name is. His <laughs> office. Gumball or Gumbold. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah Gumball. Like <laughs> Gumbold. He's trying to crack into the safe, which is... The safe contains the information, the correspondence back and forth between Blochamp, Blochamp in, yeah. in this case, but Blofeld. You know, saying that I think that I'm the count, let's, you know, make this happen kind of thing. Um, yeah, when he, when he breaks into that, the first time I watched it, I thought he had only smuggled in a photocopy machine. <laughs> So, like, I didn't... I must have missed the safe-cracking portion of that. You thought the whole crane operation the, was just to bring a photocopier up. Just to bring a photocopier up. And I was like, I was like, wow. And I remember saying at the time, when I first saw it, why didn't he just bring a camera? And then later, at the yes. very end, he has a fucking camera. Tiny camera. Like, yeah, it's and like... it's so portable. fast. And he could... He only has an hour on this lunch break to, to get into the safe yeah. and get these fucking documents and he, here he is photocopying things but he could just be taking a picture of it but yeah. now on a second rewatch i see that it was actually also a safe cracking tool but still and that was a big chunk of it it was like half it, yes. but still yeah. he still could have cut back a significant portion of time Did in you, photocopying yeah. 
Did you notice this camera? It's the same one that Raji uses in Moonraker when he breaks into Drax's safe. That tiny little 007 camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. Said tiny little. I hate when people say tiny. <laughs> That's little. redundant. I, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, That's a good um, point to talk about gadgets. Like, there isn't many in this, really. Like, <laughs> like I, I made that joke when we were watching. Like, you couldn't fit that fucking gadget in your pocket. Yeah. No, he needed a crane for it. A literal crane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than that, yeah, it's not gadget heavy. Again, that is something that Eon Productions did because the fans liked it. It worked. It's fun in movies, but yeah, uh, Ian Fleming's like Q isn't a big character in the books. It's not like mm-hmm. a that's a movie thing. Yeah, the gadgets aren't so big in the in the novels. I wonder where the whole trope of like the spy with gadgets comes from if it's not in the books really. A movie called much. Goldfinger. Is that it? Bas- it, it yeah, it hit. Hurt. It's just. It identified. It sells merchandise. Kids love it. Adults it's love like it. It's like McDonald's uh, Happy Meal toy kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't know, action figures and shit. It's just fun. Gadgets are cool. It works well in films. And in books, you don't need it as much. And it, does, it he might have it, but it's more in passing and it's practical. You don't notice it as much as you do in a film. And like Q's lab works so well for a certain uh, certain people. That's what they look for in films, I guess. Mm-hmm. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, people, but because it's been a while, and I haven't read all of the books. There's like five. It doesn't feature as much. It's definitely like the food, the quality of hotel, and him being a spy and playing cards with villains. And like it's that shit that's in the books much more than gadgets. It's nice that you say that because uh, one of the things I noted was when we were at you know allergy. Uh, rehab or whatever Uh, (laughs) he meets all the girls and they have a feast and there's like long like cuts of everyone's food and what they're eating that was something I wrote down that I feel like that scene in particular women of color are fetishized (laughs) the black woman eating the banana yeah and and are are super racialized as well like the Asian woman as she's listed in the credits literally as Asian (laughs) Um, is eating a bowl of just white just rice. rice yeah. um, the mm. Indian woman, as she's listed in the credits as just Indian, is uh, eating naan, nan bread, and then the uh, yeah, and then the and black, then, presumably African woman who was is, eating the corn cobs. I don't well, I was going to say, and then the white women are eating fried chicken and corn. Yeah. Like, it's all stereotypes. Right, but, but... What's, what's her name? Ruby, Ruby. Ruby Bartlett. She's when eating the chicken, yeah. which that's a whole other very funny... That is the silly like, part, is her obsession with I was going to say, the silliest thing by far is the is that. The allergy it's, rehab in general, yeah. Yeah, like that's the campiest, weirdest thing that in an otherwise... The most grounded one we've watched yet, besides that. Like, still from Russia with Love, I think is the most grounded because yeah. only because of that the Ouch. hypnotizing mm-hmm. the hypno- like the manchurian candidate thing is just pretty silly but it was very popular at the time i guess but it, it that scene that you laugh so hard at when oh it is time for my therapy it's very important for the cure when you arrived here you hated chicken you could not stand chicken now you love chicken and the flesh of chicken their you, voice you <laughs> hated their flesh their voice or bones or whatever is it their voice i hope like, so oh God. i wish we could have the inner dialogue like the a narration of what bond's thinking because he's like ruby wake up the fuck is going on? He's like looking all around yeah, and the yeah. lights He just kind of leaves. He's like, well, whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, I gotta I go. I got mine. And I gotta go bang the three other ones tonight. I gotta check my schedule. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the first time, the first night that he bangs all those three women, I'm thinking, okay, he's just getting information from them. Mm-hmm. I understand why this is necessary. But the second, like, like when he's making arrangements for hour long sessions, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, then it's yeah. like oh, I think he's just enjoying himself. It's a bit know, of both. Whatever. That's. Again, we've said this in nearly every podcast, a part of his arsenal is his his ability to bed women. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, these, they've been up here who knows how long and they're asking for it. Yeah, Yeah, definitely more than most of the films we've watched. They're throwing themselves at him. He did gain valuable intel on this weird hypnotism chicken thing. that, (laughs) That was definitely in the book as well. Sorry to be that guy comparing it to the... Well, actually, that was in the original Fleming novel. But he was like keeping notes of all of them and like particularly looking for their like last names and all of that so they could then build a case against them later like that, exactly. that was a part of the story yeah but yeah, yeah it definitely just sense. looked like he was making the rounds yeah well, he he is James Bond that is like what do you do and tell you man what a nightmare when you when you're expecting ruby or whatever and friggin Irma Bunt is in the bed punt 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 it's bunt pretty sure it's punt i mean we all have right. the internet yep i'm pretty sure it's punt. all right i accept it could that be punt. everyone write in and say who's <laughs> right Vote for we me. can make a twitter uh, poll yeah who is uh talk about her for a sec she's a lot like cleb do you remember her yeah from russia with love oh yeah crazy scary a little weird with the pretty young women like mm-hmm. she German likes her be- yeah except yeah she, she was, the russian. One was russian that's right. german but they're yeah. quite similar yeah. yeah, she's a little scary. She might be the hench person in this. I definitely considered her the hench person. Yeah, she mm-hmm. fills that role a bit. She's all, she's more like a villain, but obviously Blofeld's the villain. What else would you slot her as if not hench person? Villain? Villain, but like co-villain. Mm. Okay. No, because she doesn't even do that much villainous stuff, right? Like she brings she, Bond up there and then it's just like... She doesn't do much hench person stuff either. She's no. just like a... She's like... There's been a few like that, like the business and hench person, like well, the big guy in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, the computer, the tech guy. But that's the thing with, again, with this one, it's not so tropey, right? There doesn't yeah. need to be some, you know, hench person with a claw hand. The, right, right. Uh, the closest thing to a hench person was the guy that Tracy kills, who yeah. was like escorting Bond through the facility the whole time and was uh, driving the car when they were chasing him through the yeah. village and all of that. Gunter or something? I think that was his name. Something like that. Yeah. Grunter. 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 <sighs> <laughs> uh, since we're since we're talking about the women, I did wanna. There was one moment that I thought was kind of interesting. I wanted to get your folks' opinion on it. Was um, at the wedding scene. Many Punny is crying, and it's you know emotional, and everybody's Fuck, we feeling go back that. There. I know. Oh my gosh. I felt like she should have been dressed in all black, mourning the loss of her bond, but. When he throws his hat to her, then it cuts to a very brief moment where Q is kind of consoling her and says, oh, he never did know how to treat government property. He is he saying that? He's talking about the hat. That, but I thought it was the hat. That's but, my question. Yeah. Is that is it meant to be he that it could that, be interpreted cons- as money penny is government property? No. I, I Come on. He was just like, no, he was more... he's consoling her. He wasn't... He was being blind to her... He's like, she said, I always cry at weddings. And he's like, ah, you're just being a... 
it's not like you're particularly sad for losing Bond. She's just emotional lady who cries at weddings. And he just, I don't think he was consoling her at all. He's just, ah, oh, look what he did to this hat. It, it is in I, Q's character to be like, like literal, like physical property that Bond breaks, right? Exactly. Like, sure. That's it, extending beyond yeah. gadgets to like hats that MI6 issued. Yeah. Because he's like kind of like you know puffing it out again. And exactly. Stuff. But it is interesting you bring that up because that is, that could be a reading of it. It's mm. awful. Like that could just be a, that could have just been a director's choice. Like while you're saying this line, fluff this hat out to make it a little ambiguous. <laughs> You know, if know. he if he's not if he's not if, fluffing out that hat, it could one hundred percent. Like if he was looking at Money Penny in the face and I saying guess, that, it would definitely I, be the other way. That's interesting. Has anybody else ever had that take? Please let us know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was really the only thing. I mean, that along. We with should the take a even. picture of that shot and put that out on Twitter and ask if that interpret. Because I yeah, I hadn't seen. That's a good point. Like if he didn't have the hat and said that line, obviously that's the yeah that's assumption. Really interesting. Yeah. This is uh, her best role so far, for sure. I guess I've already said Money that, Penny, but this yeah. is the best Money Penny one yet, for her anyway. I, I really for this like... actress, because isn't there's another one where there's Lois a very Maxwell. young Money Penny? That's in the only one you've seen is uh, Lo, um, what is her name? It might be Samantha Bond, the one who plays Money Penny in uh, Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. She's really good. You liked her a lot. I remember her being good. Yeah. Oh, because she does all the information of the computers and right. stuff. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's more like involved, like kind of on the not on the in the field, but on the ground, definitely. Yeah, and I don't think you would remember the Pierce Brosnan one. You might not. You only saw the one tomorrow. Yeah, I don't even know if Money Penny was there. Or not. Yeah, I think she was, but she wasn't in uh, Money Penny in the Craig era. Doesn't come till. Sorry. That's right. So my first one would have been Tomorrow Never Dies. Actually. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Um. We, I don't even think we talked about the, we talked about the score a little bit, but the title sequence and that song, like the main mm-hmm. Honor Majesty Secret Service theme, like, cause we have all the time in the world is sort of the theme song. And if you like Google it, that's what most people say. But for the title sequence, it's that score. Yeah. To like that opening shot with the martini, with the Union Jack in the background and the woman holding like the... It's like a crest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, which fits because the heraldry exactly. and all of that stuff. I'm Man, sure that's I got actual chills at that point because yeah. I keep talking up these title sequences and we haven't had any really good ones since the Craig movies, really. Yeah, that one's very good. And that song, man. I, I was going to say, like, the music, like, this kind of theme in the score is, it's some of the best music we've had the whole series so far. Like, the um, harmonic color of it, to use, like, musical terms. It's like, they use kind of chords outside of your normal scale, which okay. are, like, more common nowadays, but it's, like, really colorful, and, and you can feel that for sure. Talk mm. more about that. What do you mean? <laughs> So, like, there's this kind of um, descending bass line with, I think, major chords or something. But it has, like, a bright... So it's, like, a descending kind of minor quality, but then there's, like, a a more bright, happy major thing on top of it. And there's, like, a... And then it goes up to, like, a note that you wouldn't expect it to, right? And the harmony, like, the stuff behind it changes to make that fit. And I find that... It's like it takes you somewhere else, but it takes you there and it makes it work. Yeah, it works so well in the intro and then it works 
so freaking good in a chase in that ski chase because yeah. like it's still doing the doom doom mm-hmm. as like Going the skiers are flying out of the door and it's mm-hmm. like building up as it gets more and more intense. Yeah. yeah. I will yeah. say that ski that ski chase uh, they have lots of those close up shots in the ski chase and in the bobsled chase that are so unnecessary and make it and kind of ruin the moment for with me. the rear projection yeah. Yeah. Com- common theme stuff. on this podcast yeah. is we wish they wouldn't do close-ups because otherwise i really liked the ski yeah chase. i felt like for that sure. that scene in particular is what made me feel like this was a bond movie like the others yeah. and ski chase. dates it a lot obviously i what's funny is with like there's one later in the spy who loved me which you haven't watched yet and uh a view to a kill there's ski chases again, and the rear projection's even worse. I think maybe because it's Roger Moore, and uh, he's not doing any of it. So, well, that doesn't make So they, all of his stuff is shot in a studio with a green screen, and they do a lot of close-ups of him because he's the one bringing people in. So you'll have, like, three seconds of a good establishing shot, and then three seconds of him just sort mm-hmm. of moving around in front of a fan, and it looks really bad yeah. with the rear projection behind you. I wasn't taken out of it with the with the night chase. When he escapes, and he's, like, afraid, and then he's on one ski, I found that's, like, one of the most suspenseful moments we've had yet. I, I found it was not, not quite forgivable, but, yeah, like you said, it didn't really take me out of it in the same way that it has because, like, everything else was so good like even like those kind of far away shots and all that stuff no it was outweighed too much by too much good going on like uh, in the morning when he and tracy are going away and it's in the daylight i noticed it a bit more but you also had blofeld chasing him like we haven't really talked about him yet and i know we will but Mm -hmm. like hands-on villain for sure like leading the chase Mm -hmm. so i was distracted by how cool that is and all the flares and how scared again bond is and like there's an actual sense of urgency which we never get especially going through these late conneries and the roger moore ones it's just sit back and enjoy the ride bond is never in danger really Mm -hmm. but in this one there was actually like he's in danger it took him like three tries to do that wire uh yeah stunt or whatever his yeah he's escaping there then being ballsy and going back in to get the information and then knocking the dude out to get the ski gear and you know all the way down to the ice rink to get rescued by tracy that was Mm -hmm. some intense shit yeah yeah and uh there's that moment where he knocks the guy out. He looks more reluctant than a lot of Bonds to kill somebody. Because he's like strangling the guy with a ski. And like he didn't execute him or whatever. Eventually he tossed him over the thing, I guess. Maybe I'm again bringing the book into it. I remember him keeping track in the book of all the people he's killed in this scene. Mm-hmm. And how, he's gonna, how he regrets it. And how it's stupid and it doesn't have to happen. And Jesus, Blofeld, just let me go. I'm, mm. you know, I'm going to go and report and then we'll deal with it from there. Stop chasing people after me. The the brutal scene where the guy jumps the, what was it? Like a snowblower. And he goes, oh yeah, he had a lot of guts. That's right out of the book too. And he's like, what an idiot. You're never going to make that jump. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he does it and falls and he's like, moron. <laughs> like he doesn't take satisfaction in killing people in, the, yeah. in this movie or in that book. I definitely also got that impression that he doesn't want to kill that man that he's strangling. Yeah, he's like holding him down while the others were sort of going by. Yeah, yeah. he looks up and okay, they kind of they they are far enough away that I can let him go now. And then he fights back too much, so he has to kill him, kind of thing. Yeah, 
I found the fight scenes in general really interesting in this. Uh, I really liked the bells one, where they're just fighting in the slick hole hanging hall <laughs> yeah. of bells. Yeah. While he's trying yeah. to not be caught. Like, yes. <laughs> literal bells. It's, it's so, like, that's the kind of funny thing that's good. That it's right. not like, look at the camera, like, oh, wow, it sure is taking a toll on him or something. <laughs> like, oh, but nice. it's just like... You're like, oh, this is funny that this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm i not a fan of how they edited the fight scenes, but I could see yeah. that they were trying to do something. Like how, you know, it's they, a swing, and then they cut to another swing, it, and they cut to a kick. It was very popular then. It was to hide missing. Of like course. they would swing and then cut to a yeah. different angle, and it's to avoid how obvious it is that they're punching three feet away or whatever. But it was... They uh, did the speed reel thing so much to speed up the punches. It looked, it reminded me of the old Adam West Batmans. Like you almost expect, pow, to like hit the screen when they do some of the moves. Because especially in the pre-title sequence. Yeah. Like that fight with those two guys was pretty bad. But I don't know. Like there, there was a lot of kind of like what the Bourne series did eventually, like super close-ups while they were fighting. You couldn't really tell what's going on. There's just a lot of sound effects and grunts. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, it, it's almost as though they were saving on the choreography budget by uh, doing this. I, not that I thought that that's what they were doing, but yeah, you can't see the fight scenes very clearly, but I knew that that was intentional. Mm. They're, they're able to skip through a lot of the fight scene by saying, you know, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and you don't have to see everything in between there to get the gist of what's going on. I kind of liked it in comparison to other like Connery ones, for example, where it is cut awkwardly still, but like not as fast paced. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's almost like a spectrum of like of weird cuts where you can kind of have it like on one side, not weird at all. And it's kind of good. And then in the middle where it's Connery uh, and then at this part where it's like even more, it's like kind of so weird that it's kind of experimental feeling and it's like sure. feels really cool. Yeah. Uh, there was another kind of shot I wanted to say before I forgot was when we met Draco, Draco mm -hmm. guy, Mr. Malfoy, uh, <laughs> he throws the knife at the calendar, right? And then he kind of like, Draco like looks at it and then kind of looks back, looks and looks again, puts on his glasses and then the calendar comes into focus when mm -hmm. he puts his glasses on. Yeah, I think that- That's I what makes it, to, makes it an Archie film. Very archy. <laughs> yeah, I noticed a lot of uh, takes like that, you know, where they, they lingered on something just for the art of it. And I mm. liked that. Superstitious, sir. So if this is an archy film, then Raji is kind of like a jughead? Or... But no, this guy looks like Reggie. Reggie. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. We established that while we were watching. Actually, speaking of that scene uh, where Bond first meets... Draco Malfoy. <laughs> Pardon? With a limp. Oh yes, with a limp. Uh, no, that's not a limp. No, no, no. With Sherry, that early with the chess scene. Yeah, her name. Oh no, Olymp was later. You're yeah, right. yeah. Sorry, she's sorry, at the sorry. Party. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you're right. Um, I really, really liked how he lit his cigarette with I don't know what it was, just a big stick, and he his... sets that on fire and then puts it onto his cigarette. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, and he goes through all that trouble, then offers Bond one, and no thank you, I really prefer my own. Well, I'm sure he thinks he's going to poison him. <laughs> oh, could be that. I yeah. thought Bond was going to have some, I don't know, like, Tool. was it like cigarette, like rocket gun dart <laughs> from one of the other ones? Oh, that's right, yeah. 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 I loved that scene, too. That was, and it surprises you, because at that point, you really don't know what the hell's going on, who yeah. this girl is, and who's after him. 
Like, I don't really know what the mission is or the goal. Like, MI6 really. is looking for him. Like, what yeah. the hell is he doing? He just looks like he's stalking a woman, basically. Yeah, and Tracy's denying that she knows who these guys are who seem to be, like, nearly trying to assassinate Bond, but not really, because they're right, also right. kind of just letting him go. But exactly. really, it's like they're his, her bodyguards, but she doesn't know who they are. It's it's a really good second watch, because it all makes sense the right. second time you watch it. Mm. But yeah, Should, then, should we go watch it again? I, <laughs> I'd love to. Um, I need to get happy before I watch that again. Oh, yeah. Um, we hadn't talked about any of the sets, but his office is freaking awesome, too. Mm. That's a mm. built set, for sure. With the chessboard, and he had a really ornate, uh, not as ornate as the purple wallpaper casino with those grand stairs and all of that. That is Which ornate. is amazing. But I really liked his office. I loved that whole scene when we first meet Draco. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a confusing one. He's one of the coolest, I don't even know how to talk about him, because he's sort of like the, you know, how in many of these, there's like an MI6 operator, or not an MI6, but like another agent somewhere, an elder. Yeah. Like I half thought it was going to be like Felix or something at that point. Exactly. A Felix or like Mathis from those two crack yeah. ones. Like uh, somebody, there's one in Free Your Eyes Only, Columbo, who's really good. A character like that, but he's also, he's a bad guy. And we sort of gloss over that. Like, the climax, it's not Britain. It's not MI6 that come in and blow up Peace Gloria. It's this European crime syndicate. Under the guise of the Red Cross. Under the guise yeah, of the Red yeah. Cross. Trying to get some plasma to the Italians. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, at, in the, at the wedding, M and Draco are, uh, like, laughing about their old times they were fighting. Like, oh, you got away with a lot of money that day. Oh, oh, oh. I kind of like that. Like, our big villain is... It's kind of like there's several movies where uh, M and General Gorgel, his, like, counterpart in Russia, they get along. Mm -hmm. I like when adversaries come together to be the bigger adversary, in this case being Spectre. Well, because this guy, Drake or whatever, is also kind of just a corporate... Guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah. trying to go more legit. Like yeah. most of his business is now in construction or whatever. Like mm-hmm. he started out as a mafia boss basically, but is now mostly gone legit. So should we speak of the other true villain, Mr. Blofeld himself? Blochon? Uh let me just see. Bonnet taken by I want ah, never mind. I was gonna dork out. One of my favorite things is when they do uh <laughs> are you laughing because I did that? Oh never mind. Okay, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Admiral Bond, no, sorry, Admiral M and Commander Bond. I really desperately want more of their background. I know I've always said that I really don't want Marvel to buy MGM. I don't need to fill in all the blanks. But with the next Bond, I know we had like his origin story with Casino Royale, but I want pre that. I want like Admiral M because he said the Admiral will see you now. So he was an Admiral in the Navy and Bond is a commander in the Navy. So I got to feel like M got uh, promoted first and recruited Bond out of the Navy to join MI6. And I want to see how Bond distinguished himself in the Navy under the command of Admiral, whatever his name is. And Mm. yeah, I want to see that story. That's just for me, kids. I feel like (laughs) if that was the case, though, M would treat him a little differently. Like it's almost like bond was like the younger brother of of some other one that m really liked and that guy like died and he was like well i'll take I, a little scampy guy i always look at m's shittiness toward bond as like the old school british hard father like you watched the crown kind of like philip yeah. like 
you don't show them kindness because that's going to make them be wimps. Like they're old school British people who you're only going to learn if I'm hard on you. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to whisper to Money Penny how much I really need him and how much I love him. But like you got to be hard, hard on him in person to his face so that he'll go out and impress you. So Bond is always striving for M's love <laughs> and oh. approval. There's some kind of fatherly, yeah, definitely. Like and wait till, oh, wait till M comes back to Dame Judy, and there's it's a motherly influence instead of the fatherly thing, and with she and Craig especially, and Pierce. Anyway, you wanted to talk about Blofeld, yeah. I, you kind of said this that was like Lex Luthor's cave. Yeah, he looks kind of like Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor, mm. or something, right? Like I don't, he's not a bald cap, but he's like. Oh, after, I was going to say, you mean every other Lex Luthor who's actually bald? But <laughs> So after he shaves at the end? Because Le- Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor has, has like really long hair. Yeah. No, 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 bald version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he does look kind of like Lex Luthor. Yeah. I found him very menacing. And uh, as you've already alluded to, Rob, he's a hands-on leader. Like, why is he inserting the tapes into the Yeah, and player? skiing down the hill himself. And he's the best skier of all of them, by yeah. far. Well, like, in the previous... So, in our chronology, we've seen two different Blofeld, Blo, the Blofelds yeah. already, uh, not counting, you know, behind a screen or whatever. Uh, and the first one, yeah, just, like, sat around and stroked his cat or whatever. And then the other one sat around and stroked his cat or whatever right like and like cross-dressed to escape out of a casino that's and right yeah like, i i like i've never been more happy with our order because mm-hmm. i like to think that he had another surgery to transform his face again and, and he got rejuvenated into he a got younger, rejuvenated yeah. and he's taken you know what to hell with all of the world domination and to hell with number two three four all the way to nine i just need a small crew I'm going to buy this place up in the Alps. I'm going to have one last scheme. And all I want is a pardon and a title because yeah. world domination is not fucking working. Bond keeps thwarting me. Yeah. It doesn't work. It was a stupid idea. All I want <laughs> is to retire with a title because I'm, what did M say? Uh, uh, a very curious thing, snobbery. Like <laughs> Blofeld's not a snob. He wants a title and to just retire and to be legitimized. Like yeah. enough of this. It's like, if I can't be ruler of the world, at least I can be a count. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he thought Spectre was the greatest criminal organization ever, but they kept losing over and over and over again. So he's like, you know what? To hell with that. I just want to be recognized by society and I want to be able to go to fancy casinos like Bond and mm. be pardoned. Basically, that was his goal in this one. And yeah. Totally hands-on. Enough of sending out number twos to do my business. Yeah. And hiring Dr. No to take down those satellites. I'm going to do this one. I'm going to insert the tapes. I'm going to chase Bond. Yeah. Well, in just the previous one, there was a whole issue with tapes and stuff, right? So he's like, no, fuck you guys. I'm put... No one touch the tapes. That's right. I'm on the tapes. Oh, funny. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that theory. But he's still at large. And he just killed Bond's friggin' wife. Yeah, and drove off, yeah. Ah, poor Tracy. It's the opposite of all as well as it, en- it ends well. Mm. Oh, I wonder, do you think he, uh, you know, they're all ridiculously beautiful, all these women with allergies. So it's not like he just sent out, like, applications for people who have bad allergies. Like, to, to, does he have, like, a disgusting casting couch situation? Like, first you need an allergy, and then, because he also really fell for Tracy early. So he's also kind of a, I, I like to think of him as... He's the antithesis of Bond. One of those, 
um, hero versus villain situations where they're quite similar, except he sucks at the one thing that Bond's really good at. Like he really wants to get women, but like... Yeah, he has to create this big elaborate allergy clinic to get a bunch of women to hang out with him. (laughs) They did explain it a bit in the movie, how he... How he collected all of these women like uh yeah she said remember that, ruby yeah. is explaining to him you know the frulein met me somewhere and she said i had a great case but i can't remember under what context they had met right i wonder how she, many it, it was like she went to see a specialist i think okay. who was the frulein right. so they presumably if we're actually thinking about this in a realistic way would have gathered all of that information from somewhere that uh archives allergy for like health records or something That's and like then just, just like picked the prettiest ones yeah. this is like the fastest operation you've ever heard of though because the when i don't actually know who it is i called him felix in my brain the blonde yeah we've talked about him assistant <laughs> oh, to me yeah. he's felix but um when felix is trying to go on to the gondola to get up the mountain the henchman says no, that restaurant closed down a few weeks ago. We've had control of this for several weeks now. Yeah, You're yeah. wrong. So they've only set up like for not very long. So it could be they did all their research somewhere else and then brought the women up there to do the thing. I suppose. Yeah. I guess that would be and the And had point. the line like be like, is she hot? Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people, when they talk about this one, they say how much better it would have been or they try to imagine Connery in it. Do you like that at all? No, I mean, especially we just watched the movie before and after this with Connery, right? Yeah. That, like... That Connery, no. No, it's not, like... Maybe if it's Russia with love, Connery. Yeah, like, but if it's true, your theory about, like, because they didn't have Connery, they made a good movie, then no, I don't want Connery in it. I want a good movie. Rather than, like... That is not the right question. To me, I would rather a Diamonds Are Forever with Lazenby. Yeah. And a Live and Let Die with Lazenby. Oh. And a Man with a Golden Gun Everything with Lazenby. Everything with Lazenby. Well, the next yeah. several. The next few, rather yeah. than one. He didn't get enough of a shot. Mm. Like He's not the best actor of all of them. But, man, I want more. Mm. Yeah. Just a couple more or something. Like, yeah. Raji can still do Moonraker, Octopussy, and all that. It's... That's definitely one of the main reasons. Well, it had to be at the end of the Spectre run or towards the end of the Spectre run, this one. But also, it sucks that we only get one of his. So I wanted it, it to be middle. in the middle or second half. Yeah, mm. poor George. He didn't get a... And he regrets it. He oh, for sure. Legit, of course he would. Yeah. He never had a big career in acting after, anyway. And, uh, yeah, too bad. Poor guy. I forget. We should look up what his age was. Uh when he shot this, but he's younger yeah. than I am now. In that, I hope he got everything else he wanted out of life. <laughs> he <laughs> like, looks like just, a young beetle or something. You he know? definitely yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. He looks like the beetle. Well, he wanted to be so. The Beatles in '69 had long hair and beards. Mm. He, he looked like the Beatles in '62 or '63, yeah, yeah. and that was the problem. He's like the Beatles are growing their hair out. I don't want to be this fucking you know square. Yeah, yeah. yeah too bad. So, hey, Mr. Connor, you want to come back for a couple mil? Pay you in diamonds. <laughs> uh, for a very inferior movie. Before we, like, wrap up or whatever, just a shout-out to uh, Mr. Bigglesworth. The kitty cat was in this movie for two Mr. shots. Yeah, not many, or not much. There's, like, a shot of, like, a little pet, and then a shot of a little meow. Hmm. I love yeah. the cat. Does the cat come back? 
Do I see the cat again? Yes. The very next day. That's a song. Sweet. Twice. Twice? Two more movies. Two more cats. One you'll see in a week or two or three, depending on how we do this, and one not till very, very later. The one right before No Time to Die. Spectre. Spectre. Cool. Kitty comes back. Did you like... Sorry, I keep coming back to him. Does it... No, for you guys, I, I know this question. Or I know the answer before I even say it. What do you, how do you feel about seeing Bond afraid? It's good. Yeah, exactly. Vulnerability. Yeah. Right. We don't get it very often. Yeah, I totally like, agree. Roger Moore, that's my biggest problem with him. Oh, fuck, I got many. But that's what... Okay, what I can't reconcile with people who Roger Moore is their Bond. No vulnerability ever. Mm. Or like very, very little. Like he's never afraid. He's never in danger. Like the most suspense, some people say he is, and there's really intense moments like an octopusy when the nuke is about to go off and he's, his stunt double is hanging from a plane, but it's not the same thing at all. No. Not like legit afraid and Tracy rescues you or Craig being yeah. tortured. <laughs> like, well, it's very it, different. It's really the epitome of it then with when Tracy rescues him. It's not, it's just like that bit of kind of resigning himself a little bit, like letting someone else help him. Because he, he doesn't, he's resistant to that even just with like M or Q or yeah, whatever, yeah. right? He doesn't, he won't even listen to Q's explanations of the gadgets, right? right? Like he's like that dad who won't ask for directions, but like he lets Tracy save so, him. So it might be that there's a branch of the film, of the Bond fandom who like that, who want him to be infallible, who mm -hmm. don't who like they value that he doesn't listen to Q and doesn't need any help but people like us like some vulnerability yeah. so maybe it's just that maybe I shouldn't judge it too harshly but for me I like some vulnerability yeah well it makes it slightly more realistic a little bit more attainable and it, I mean obviously it's there's some connection to masculinity and the toxicity of not allowed to be vulnerable and stuff like that where it's really good to be able to see vulnerability and know that that's okay yeah as, as a male and it's so much better that there's because he's still as cool and as badass and still saves mm -hmm. the day but can also be human like i don't know i like yeah it's it's misguided to think that showing any vulnerability means that you're i don't know better <laughs> it's just i mean we could talk about that another time but like what where does that come from i mean never mind i know where it comes from but it's so misguided and silly yeah, like you're yeah. so much more well-rounded and better prepared to face anything if you can show a bit of vulnerability and accept help and be afraid and show emotion and all of that. Yeah. I like how him and Tracy are both very vulnerable, kind of sad and scared yeah. people in this. And, you know, he says at one... I think he says at one point that he needs a therapist and so does she. And um, Oh, that's... That's what he says to Draco, yeah. yeah. Like, she needs, she a, needs therapist, a psychiatrist. Not me. Not, yeah, a yeah. Anyway, and I think uh yeah, I think to her he says, you know, that was quite therapeutic for me. Something like that. Hmm. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Anyway, I think that both of them, um, they show a lot of their kind of brokenness to each other and that moment where Bond is afraid. I think part of that is because of his new relationship with Tracy that he feels like he can be a bit more vulnerable mm. because he's he's taking care of her but she's also taking care of him which you know I don't think it's like you know they're not codependent or anything it's just no, a no. Nice they're allowing themselves to do it yeah, yeah they're yeah. allowing them to show each other their true selves 
And because when he comes across her, it's this whole thing of she's very vulnerable too, where a lot of the women he meets are, you know, not showing that side of themselves or the situation isn't conducive to vulnerability. Yeah, exactly. And she understands it in an instant. Like when she skates up to him, she looks at him and says, you're in trouble. Tell me what's wrong. She can see it all over his face, which I'm like, you understand this man. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) And we had the montage of them like getting to know each other and on all those dates and stuff like that. Picking out the ring. Oh, I really liked that where you... Sorry. No, you should go ahead and sing it. Louis Armstrong, right? Um, I liked the symmetry where they're, you know, in that montage where they're getting to know each other, they walk into the jewelry store and they show the ring and then later it goes back and it shows the same jewelry store and that same ring. I thought that was like totally unnecessary, but a really nice artful touch to that Hmm. development. Do you like how he, uh, you said that little monologue, I don't know if this was on the podcast or right when we were done, but his little monologue at the end, since... This is a good place to wind up, I think. Yeah. Shh, like, no tears or anything like that. Like, just denial, almost. And we have all the time in the world. Like, I don't know. It's... Yeah. I've... It's hard to form my own opinion on it. I think it works. I love it. I've read different things about it, and... Like, they said he's not a good enough actor, so he didn't cry. But I think that it just... He's just shocked. Yeah. And, like, that bullet was meant for him. And she was suicidal, but now wanted her whole life. Like, she wanted to die at the start of the movie. That's where it began, was her committing suicide. And then she's killed at the end after... What was her last... Well, they did that little... What is it? He loves me. He loves loves me. me Indubitably. Yeah. Indubitably. But yeah, she her her last little bit there. She says like you've give. He says I haven't given you a wedding gift. Yes, you have. You've given me the best gift. You know. Future. The, yeah, a future. A future. That's future. what she says. Oh my god. For thirty more seconds. Oh. Yeah. And that shot is also like the zoom in on her and then zoom out and it's the bullet through the windshield and that's the last shot. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The only thing they should have then cued that song again instead of. Well, you know, you you kind of they probably wanted the audience walking out of the cinema to you know remember that it's still oh yeah this is okay like we can't walk out of here bawling yeah yeah it felt like a twist in in a lot of ways there was like this really good movie and then they were like but there's some check boxes we have to hit like the Bond theme and like yeah just some actiony stuff and yeah tropes and women it's yeah even with that music what a ballsy choice. To yeah, end like that. that, yeah. Because, like I said, yeah, with Casino Royale, they didn't didn't end with her in his arms like that. No movies end like that anymore. On such a down note. So that being in mind, I do think we'll discuss it this week. That the next episode will be we won't watch a movie. We'll do something else before we come back with either License to Kill or from Rush or uh, For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. We'll come back with one of those two. Uh, yeah. So we didn't do it in the intro, but if you have questions or comments or thoughts or topics for us to talk about on a bonus episode, at 007 Bon Voyage on Twitter and Instagram and 007 Bon Voyage at gmail.com. Sorry to do this, buddy. We just did our tags and I know you're ready to go, but I do. I wanted to ask yeah. if this bumped ahead of where is this one on your favorites so far? So this is our 15th. <laughs> Did, I think it's number one now. Yeah. yeah. Of the ones we've watched, it just took 
the last time I did a ranking, I think it was three or four. It definitely just bumped up to one yeah. of the ones we've watched so far. I still think my number one will be one, but this is definitely number two. Yeah, this is number one. Russia with Love, probably number two. Weirdly enough, Octopussy is like number three, probably. You're, uh, <laughs> you're in fine company. You're not alone there. A lot of people love that movie. I'm just not one of them. I mean, it's totally the opposite to this movie. But, exactly. You know. Heather, any final thoughts? Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I love discussing these things with you folks. Well, thanks for coming on again. Until next time, bon voyage. Bon voyage. Bon voyage.